Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Ono Sullivan and today's guest on the show, the first musical guest of 2017, are We Cut Corners. They're one of my favourite Irish bands and they have been for a while. They're just a two-piece, just a two-piece. Connell Bracken and John Dignan. And they have three albums to their name. Today, I realised I could go home backwards, Think Nothing, and The Cadences of Others. The latter is their latest album. It was released a couple of months ago. They're all out on the Delphi label. And so you can get that on the online store. You can order them all. And, well, if you haven't got it already, you know, it's a, it's a great way to start the year. You can also listen to them on Spotify if you're into that sort of thing. So, yeah, um. Yeah, I, th- I don't know if there's that much more that I should say about them. They have a great wordplay, so we get it. I mean, we get into everything. I don't think that you really need a long preamble for me about why you should listen to We Cut Corners. I mean, I think that uh, they'd be in the top 10 bands, that I, Irish bands, that I would tell people to go listen to if they had to uh, if they had to do a primer on it. But, um, but yeah, well, uh, let's just get straight into it. The first voice that you're going to hear from them is Connell. I didn't actually ask them to do, you know, hi, I'm Connell and hi, I'm John. We just got straight into it. You know, that's how uh, that's how we roll these days. So the first voice that you're going to hear is Connell's and then you're going to hear John's, I think, on the second question. We only had two mics. There was three people in the room. You do the math. So this is We Got Corners on the point of everything. So The Cadences of Others is your third album, um like are you happy with how it sounds and like are you happy with your kind of progression as a band over the course of is it like six or seven years um it's a lot longer than six or seven years but but maybe formally as we cut corners it's about i think it was 2009 we probably properly came together as as a band as as the band kind of we are now and uh where are we now 2006 nearly 2017 wow yeah so it's quite, even that is quite a while that's like eight years so um yeah we were really happy with how the record sounds in fact um i don't know uh possibly possibly happier than we are with with either the other two even though you know we we do we do like the other records but with this one we kind of took very much um control of every aspect of it <laughs> uh, and we i mean produced it ourselves and we we decided on you know we had a very clear idea of where we wanted it to record and where we wanted to record it should i say and where and how we wanted it to sound and what sort of character the record we wanted it to have like sort of sonic character or atmosphere or whatever and um we feel kind of that we 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 achieved it, you know. Um, with the last record, we we handed over bits of it to other people to kind of do, and we I don't know is it a sign of just us being complete control freaks? But we were a little bit uncomfortable with that. Like we were mixing it remotely. We we got it mixed by a guy called Ben Hillier in London, and so it was there was a bit of toing and froing in that regard. But with this time, we really wanted to kind of sit in on everything, and we worked with a great engineer called. Peter Ashmore and um, we we were kind of very hands on in the whole process, which meant we didn't let it go until we were really happy with it and and we we, we felt all the you know eyes were dotted and t's were crossed with it um, so to speak so yeah we're we're delighted how it sounds and we definitely feel that it's a progression from from the last two we feel that the second one was was a progression from the first but that this is more so even again you know um. 
when do you kind of decide that you want to be more hands-on with the recording? I mean, I I was just looking, I, I interviewed you around the release of Think Nothing, your second album, and you were kind of saying, you know, we're really happy with how this sounds and everything. You know, you, you worked with Tommy up in, up in Donegal and you're really happy with it. Like, when do you decide that actually we just want to be even more hands-on? I think after you release an album, there's like a period of immediate elation where you think it's the greatest thing uh, that anyone has ever created. Uh, we think that, don't we? <laughs> and then, uh, you know, when the dust settles a little bit, you probably reflect on it in a way that is much more analytical and you've kind of got a bit of emotional distance from it as well. So uh, I think some of the what we would perceive uh, the shortcomings of the previous albums. Uh, and it's not like technical shortcomings, uh, more so just having a kind of... We were obsessed with having very short albums for the first two records. Oh, that was something intentional. Yeah, pretty much. And it, it probably emanated from our live setup, which didn't allow for a lot of development within the songs that they were going to exist as these very short bursts of music with as much information packed into them as possible. Uh, and then with this record, uh, I suppose we had five years to to look back on the, the first two albums. And we probably thought that uh, as a listening experience, something that that unfolds a little bit more patiently might be more rewarding for a listener, even though it mightn't have that sugar rush that that we kind of wanted with the first two records. It has a different quality, and we just kind of wanted to play with that idea, see how we could flesh the songs out musically. Certainly the arrangements that, that Connell spent a very long time working on are a huge part of that, but also in the songwriting itself, just to... Yeah, just to try and open ourselves to to being more expansive in in our songwriting, I suppose. Is that something that you know that you're going to do before you start even writing the the new stuff? You know that you want to be more expansive, or you want to have a different kind of um, uh, speed to it. Um, yeah, definitely. With this one, we um, after the first two records, we. The, you know, in terms of we got, we kind of sat down and chatted. I remember actually in we were in an airport on the way to Moscow, and we had a very um, for for a gig for a gig, yeah. For we were playing a festival over there, so we we're playing a few shows. But I remember we we kind of sat down in the coffee shop and had had a kind of very frank conversation about what we wanted to do differently next time and what we had done previously. Um, so that was the first time we had probably had like with uh, recording the first record. We were just so excited about the process of going in to record our first record that we kind of went in and we were more concerned with who we were going to work with. And we we found this guy, Jimmy Eady, who, who we're still good friends with now. He was great to work with. The first record flowed almost immediately into the second. We just kind of, we were on the, the sort of treadmill and kind of just kept going with it because we were anxious to get a, enough songs to actually have a decent live show because after the first record, we, we had 10 very short songs, seven of which we could play live which doesn't give you a, you know, a decent set list that you can go on tour. So, but with this time, we kind of, this time around, we kind of sat down and said, you know what, what do we, what do we want to do and what do we want to do differently? And, um, that was definitely a part of it. Um, the, the types of songs we, you know, we, we had been listening to, you know, a lot of the music we listen to unfolds, as John said, unfolds slower than the short, um, 
sort of bursts and uh, we kind of said we, we wanted to move the song right in that direction and in terms of how we wanted to do it that was the point where we said we wanted to kind of take a bit more control over it of ourselves and we, we knew we wanted to record in a different space than we had recorded before and that sort of thing. Have you guys been in um, other bands like you know four person bands or something like that and do you find that just the two of you that you're actually almost brutally honest with each other about We Cut Corners? Uh, Connell was in a band when he was about 15 mm. uh, and that was a four piece band and he was the drummer songwriter uh, no I was just a hired <laughs> just a hired hand hired gun hired hand. Uh, and then I had never played in in a band before literally we met in the first weeks of college and we were both just kind of starting to play guitar and starting to get really obsessed with music which was quite like late blooming of us because we were like 18 uh, and then this has been the only musical project that we've ever been involved oh, okay. with. So, yeah, we are brutally honest with each other. But I'd say for the first six years, we were probably brutally, brutal. <laughs> probably brutally brutal. Uh, yeah, no, we were just very, um, I'd say we were afraid to hurt each other's feelings and probably indulge stuff that that was kind of like a waste of time. I'm sure there were loads of terrible songs that should never have seen the light of day written by me that Connell just said, ah, you know, I mean, he wants to write the song, so, you know, I'm going to do my part on it. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not. But, you know, it, we probably wasted, like, quite a bit of time, but maybe it's not wasted time because maybe you're sort of exercising these kind of uh, avenues of, of creativity that turn out to be dead ends, and then that brings you to a new way of writing. I've run into a dead end here. <laughs> no, I think, no, I think you're right. And like, I think as much as anything, we probably didn't know what, you know, to be honest with each other, we didn't know what we really wanted to be or what type of songwriters we wanted to, or what type of albums we wanted to make. And we just knew that for, for, for those few first five or six years that John was talking about, we were writing songs that we weren't particularly proud. We we knew deep down we weren't particularly proud of because we knew when we played them live, like that we'd kind of almost be embarrassed after the show. And, and you know, we, we kind of blamed that on, you know, poor performance or poor tuning of our guitars or whatever it was but actually it was probably just because we knew deep down we did it wasn't the type of music we we like to listen to it wasn't the type of music that kind of inspired us but as john said there probably was great learning in it at the same time because you're kind of and you're doing it out out of any sort of public script you know out of you know the, the public eye or whatever where john and i spent days and years in in each other's like bedrooms just 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 playing songs to together and practicing and and trying to write write bits or whatever so we like but but yeah it's been a it's 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 in the, the fact there's just two of us and and we've been together so long definitely ha has we've developed a particular relationship which is uh you know very special to, to i think to both of us and um uh, I mean, my dad always talks about he he was a he was a musician and he he always played with this one other guy for for year for years and and he said I remember him saying to me like the first he was dropping me down to college one evening and it was actually for like this song contest that that me and John had formed in this the second year of this song contest but he said like you know you and John have something very special here and 
because he because and he mentioned his band that he was in or that this other guy he used to play with he said a third guy joined the band and it was never the same <laughs> and i think that has made like an indelible mark on my psyche so it's just like nobody else knows just us <laughs> <two>. wow <laughs> yeah. So John, you're going to come in the next day and just be like, hey, I know this guy, he might, he might really add something. Um, Conan, that must have been amazing to uh, have been encouraged by your dad so, so much. Um, no, uh, it's, yeah, I guess, I, bet, I guess both of us are very much encouraged by our parents and, 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 you know, John's parents are really interested in what we do as well and as are mine. But that, w I remember that moment being, you know, the moment where your dad says you're better than him at something. He said, like, you guys are much better than we were. And, you know, that moment where you realize, oh, my God, my dad isn't, you know, it's like simultaneously incredibly um uh, kind of almost dis not disappointing but you're kind of like it's you're sad or something or it's your your dad isn't this sort of untouchable sort of you know perfect being or whatever he is actually a perfect <laughs> being but you know what i'm saying uh, but at the same time you're kind of like oh my god i can't believe dad thinks we're we're onto something here so it's really really special as well so it was hugely hugely encouraging him yeah. um just because we're talking about it like how how do you guys actually uh work on creating new songs is it like john do you just do the writing and bring it to connell or is it more collab more collaborative on the songwriting front yeah we really we really struggle with this question because we have and we're asked it quite regularly, but we uh, work in, I suppose, the songwriting process comes about very differently for us because we don't spend a lot of time rehearsing. You know, we don't jam as such as other bands might do. So songs don't really come out of that that crucible of, you know, just throwing shapes at each other and seeing what, what sticks. So it tends to be a more cumulative process uh, sort of process from both of us that we'll get together for a serious session like try and rent a house somewhere or you know just set up our gear uh somewhere uh comfortable and sort of bring all of the the work that we've stockpiled over the the previous couple of months and kind of throw that out on the floor and just perform the pieces to each other and see I guess what sticks in that sense and you can tell pretty immediately when when something has the hallmark of a song that will work well in the in the sort of uh format of our band because certain songs that we write just they may be of a particular quality but you just kind of know instantly that it doesn't suit the format or it doesn't suit the aesthetic um so our process is uh stockpile and uh accumulate and then assimilate. Through, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think you're also one of the most lyrically striking bands in Ireland. Um, I, I don't know if like it comes from poetry or something like that, that you kind of try, try and strike, strike a note sort of thing with that. Okay. Um, well, unfortunately, I'm a terrible reader. Uh, <laughs> Connell, appalling. appalling reader <laughs> as well. All factual books, uh, which is terrible. Uh, and I was like a voracious reader till I was, you know, 12 and then just dropped it and took up listening to music instead. And I, I am enduringly poor at reading and don't read poetry, read short stories, um, some carver. Uh, but that is about like the limit of my attention span in terms of reading. So I, I guess our lyrical style is kind of observational, slightly colloquial, uh, and much like the music 
accumulation process that we practice it's very much the same uh it's it's just making notes on life uh, as the weeks slip by and then sort of forming them into into songs and just, it just keeping a, a notepad and just kind of writing yeah kind of what you yeah see. and just you know taking time out of the day where you're just quiet for a while and you let things sift through you know the mess of your mind and uh just see what settles and then and then trying to connect the dots and see if there's any sort of sort of synergy going on between between the sort of thoughts that you're having in in sort of the back of your mind i'd actually love to go through like all the lyrics on the album but i think that that might be like a slightly boring podcast to listen to for people you know like yeah uh, because you're just probably going to say the same thing uh, like like oh no that was just observational that's not autobiographical (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. and i remember I, i remember i was reading the interview that i did with you a couple of years ago and uh it was, it was something similar but there are, there are lines that like uh i wanted to ask you about like on blood vessels you say i never knew you had such big ambitions but they're all the better to beat you with mm. which immediately does make me think of the music industry i don't know if that's it's not actually but i suppose it's it's quite appropriate as well yeah or, or no the artistic creative yeah. ambitions in ireland no it's it's more about sort of sibling rivalry and there's kind of like a lot of uh familial references uh throughout the album and it's kind of it's it's tough being blunt about about your loved ones in that way and and i suppose when you say things like that it's as much an expression of you know your own weaknesses as opposed to the person that you're writing about but it's it's somehow cathartic to do it and and gladly we haven't been disowned by either of our families yet so yeah but i i guess it is it speaks to the to the bloodthirsty nature of the the industry as well so that's cool that you that you took that from it yeah we could get into the irish music industry um now but maybe we'll save it for for later on (laughs) um just the song titles i guess i i was you know if you just read the song titles I, I wrote, you know, kind of kind of worrying or something like that. But I guess you said cathartic and I guess that that's maybe more what they are. Like the three song titles that I that I wrote out are Unavoiding People, uh, Reluctant Recluse and uh, This Has Already Happened or The End Has Already Happened, the last song. Um, do you read it? Like, should we read in, in anything to any of the song titles or is it just, oh no, that's just what they look like? written out we do struggle with titles like we all there's always we do find ourselves when we've finished a record realizing that we don't have titles for either the record or the songs so we do find a lot of kind of debate as to what you go into it but i guess those three are probably they were they were titles that were there kind of from the from the start, but I wouldn't be worried on. No, don't. <laughs> it's we're Are fine. You guys okay? We're fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you're also like one of the most visual bands as well. It seems like you do spend a lot of time thinking about uh, the look of the album covers and the videos. I don't know if you want to talk about well about both of them, just where the album cover came from and the videos in particular. Um, the the album cover. Again, similar to the, the the album, we kind of knew. I guess we did know visually what we wanted, how we wanted to be represented this time around, as opposed to the the last two. The last two album covers, first we weren't on them. We didn't feature much in any of the videos. 
Um, but we kind of said this time around that we would. We we didn't want to be like you know a, you know a, a, a very what would you say like port a port a very classic portrait of ourselves. We were drawn to the, this image that that was taken actually very near to here um, uh, in a studio, which which uh, in which a flash didn't go off, so it ended up like a silhouette of the two of us, and we were kind of immediately drawn to that, and we kind of felt early on, yeah, we'd like to use that image kind of as the album cover. We wanted it to be very sort of stark, very clean. Um, which which was sort of reflected the song the 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 way we wanted the record to sound as well. We wanted the record to sound very clean. We wanted it to sound kind of very well produced. Um, so the album uh, is like that as well. But we 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 had an idea early on that we wanted to use shredded like kind of shred an image, but that that was shredded um, and and then maybe put back together in an interesting way. We tried a, tried a few different permutations out and it just didn't work. We just couldn't get it to work. Was but, that working with other people or just like yourselves just playing around? No, we, we were actually working with, with two photographers, Sean and Yvette, who worked down just off Newmarket Square, actually. Um, we had this idea that we had brought them and they said, yeah, we'll try it. Um, but we just, it was going to be... Doing it, we, we basically wanted to take an image, shred the image, and reappropriate it, but then take another photograph of that sort of reappropriated image. Um, but it was just going to be a lengthy, costly process, actually. So we 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 really liked the photo that they took originally and said we, we wanted to use it. But John's girlfriend is um, a graphic designer, amongst other things. But she's a, she's a very talented graphic designer, and she had heard that we wanted to have use an image in this kind of shredded way. And then she just went off herself without kind of us asking, <laughs> and sort of came back with this shredded image of us. And the two of us just loved it immediately. So um, we just and so we just sat with Neve with John's girlfriend girlfriend one evening and kind of took the text and kind of played around with it and and the image and we we came up with this kind of very clean sort of um image for the album cover that we're really really happy with so the cover was 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 something that we kind of had had a picture of quite early on actually in our heads um, and we're delighted how Neve managed to pull it off but the the videos then I mean John's done huge work in the past on on, on working with video makers from all over the world in terms of just contacting them and, and sending them songs of ours rough demos that we had just recorded and asking them to collaborate with us if 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 this song appealed to them if it maybe um, inspired them in some way to create a sort of visual piece for it so some of some of our best videos have been actually um, have been put together in that way, you know, by filmmakers from Argentina or from Spain or from Poland. But with this record, uh, again, we we didn't feature in any of the f videos really from the first two records, but with this one, we said we actually would feature so somewhat. Again, we didn't want to be, you know, front and center, but that we'd feature somewhat in them. And uh, we worked with a, a, a filmmaker called Adam O'Regan, who's the guitarist in Little Green Cars. Oh, okay. He made the video for our song, Oh... Um, and we had just seen a lot of his uh, a lot of his videos and had been blown away by the aesthetic that he creates. And he has a very kind of distinctive style that we were drawn to. So we contacted Adam and he created this video for O. But the most recent video that we have um, is for a song on the record called Of Whatever. And the video was created by John Hosier Byrne. Um, and... Uh, it features an actress called Megan O'Malley, and it's uh, just we're 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 over the moon with how it's turned out. We we literally brought it out a couple of weeks, couple of weeks back. But um, uh, we spent a day with him, kind of on the Wicklow Lakes, with a team of about nine of sort of people that he works with, 
and he put together this incredibly powerful uh, visual kind of accompaniment for the video that we're we're thrilled with. So yeah, it's through working with other w- other people as well. You know, people like him and people like Adam and people like the people that John would have contacted in the past, which has helped us sort of create that sort of strong visual aesthetic. Is is there any um, major reason why you don't want to kind of put yourselves front and center in the <coughs> artwork or in the videos? Um, is there? Or, or have, have you talked about it like? I think at the start it was it was quite natural. We wanted to project something that was a little bit anonymous, uh, and then as we grew more comfortable uh, with the fact that we would have to be the ambassadors for the band, considering we are the only people in it. Uh, yeah, I think it's just something you naturally come to terms with. That like, if I'm watching a video, say the video for Holocene by Bonnie Vare, I would have really enjoyed it more if Justin Vernon had has had a popped his head from behind a a rock rock. yeah (laughs) exactly so it's like for me and for Connell I think the there there is a certain payoff in seeing people actually in the video because it colors it in a different way and uh just deepens I suppose the the meaning of it uh so yeah I suppose we were conscious of that and we wanted to see if we could have these interesting set pieces that we were also involved with in some way uh, you just mentioned Bonnie Vare there. Have you heard, have you listened to his extensively? You you really you like it, do you? Yeah, I think it's his best album. Really, I I think it's one of the best records I've heard in the longest while. I can't stop listening to it. Wow! Like I I was a really big fan of the first two albums, and I just think he's gone. Like I mean, artwork wise, it's quite different to what he's done before, and musically, I'm kind of like I don't really get it. Wow. Really? Yeah, and I've tried a couple of times. I like the single, um, but... Which single? Uh, it's the fourth track on the album, I think. I can't think of the name of it now, but... Um, I'm not sure I can't think. They've got such weird names. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're, really? Okay. Now, we, 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 we're obsessed with that record. We've listened, we listened to it. That was the record we listened to on going to every show and coming back from every show on this tour. We have dissected every 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 line and sound, and we just it's just uh, it's such a diff it's such a departure for him, but it's so so it's so. Um, I want to get in here. It's <laughs> it's such a departure, but it's as so Bonnie Ver. Like it's funny. I think it was John that mentioned when we were chatting about it before. We've chatted about this a lot. That um, the second record, like I love the second record. You weren't John wasn't you weren't as as mad about it, but this record makes you appreciate even the second record True. a lot more. It kind of makes more sense now, the, mm-hmm. the second record. And yeah, just the way he's used the samples and the beats, but it's not willfully so. It's just so subtle. And it's just like this deconstruction of his, of his songwriting uh, that's just so exciting and so, sounds so, so new. And I, to me. I, grudg- <laughs> I grudgingly like the album because I wouldn't, you know... I didn't particularly want to like it. I thought the the second album was a huge disappointment to me and it coincided with a huge spike in his popularity. He won a Grammy for the album. It was, you know, universally lauded, uh, you know, which subconsciously or otherwise makes you uh, dislike a person, which seems (laughs) strange. But uh, no, and I mean, I was taken with it. I mean, the first thing he released was the opening track called might be over soon 22 um and it was immediately i just knew i was gonna love the album yeah it's just it's it's like a little 
just a little snatch of a melody that's like put into different sort of uh, contexts. And yeah, it's just, it's a beautiful album. So gospel-y. Uh, mm. Yeah, mm. yeah, and and the visuals that accompany it are like it's so interesting. I, I've John actually bought me the vinyl for my birthday, and yeah, and it's there's it's a booklet. Like it's quite a hefty. It comes with a quite a hefty booklet, and even the way he's like put the lyrics together visually on that, they're all over the place. Like you know, one line is going vertically, the other line is going diagonally across that line, and you're trying to piece the songs together like even lyrically, which is what you're trying to do when you're listening to them kind of as well, you know, because the way they're put together in such an interesting fashion, it's like they're, there's all these different parts that he's he had, in, he had together initially, then deconstructed them all and then put them together in a different way. Kind of what we were trying to do with our picture, <laughs> shred the image <laughs> and reappropriate it. I, maybe what I'm struggling to um, connect with is the fact that it's, it's not, you know, Bonnie Vare who, you know, Kevin in the Woods, Bonnie Vare, you know, really delicate. And and I, I suppose that that is a thing that you have to just kind of accept that the artist is going to develop. But, you know, you're going to lose fans along the way. And I, ju- I just think that I'm waiting to find the connection and I don't think that I've found it yet. OK, yeah, I guess that's something that every artist struggles with, you know, uh, you're it's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you don't develop, people say, well, this band are in a, you know, stasis. They they never change. They're putting out the same records that they did when they started. Uh, but I have to say, he's just incredible. Even the last Volcano Choir album. Mm. Yeah, that's really, that's really, really good. So freaking good. Yeah, I can't stop listening to it. And yeah, when, when the first album came out, uh, I wasn't... I wasn't obsessed with it. I wasn't blown away with it at all. And I never thought that Bonnie Vare would be an artist that I would, you know, uh, have to fight with Owen O'Sullivan about, you know, defending. But even what he's doing, I think, is so interesting in April Bass and, you know, his studio in Eau Claire. Like he he just is creating this place where it's so where so many records are going to be made. And he's obviously like whatever, a presence there the whole time. But it, he seems to just be really interested in community and where he's from. And he has this festival that he's um, that is hugely successful over there. So he just seems that he's a very interesting character and and seems to just have his is in terms of he seems to before this record, obviously, he had to take a break and he was he was had was kind of done with music and um, and almost this where this record emerged from kind of struggling with that and going away. And um, but he seems to have come back with just uh, with, you know, his head in a really good, good place. And I think it's reflected in in the in the quality of the record that he's made as well. And it's great to see Fionn Regan sampled on, that's a, class, on a record, right? That's that's so exciting. Yeah. Do you know do you know Fionn? Don't know him, but we love him. <laughs> we want to know him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we want to know him now after <laughs> Tell us about Bon. <laughs> we did play we played Justin. a gig with Fionn Regan in the Ivy Gardens once and we were too I think we were too afraid to go into his little tent to say hi to him. But our our tech who is afraid of nothing went in to introduce himself and he said he was a Dalai Lama like presence, you know, just chilling in his tent. Wow, so you get kind of like oh, I don't know if I should say hello to All the time, Owen, wow. you've no idea. Yeah. Every day is that experience. <laughs> um am I right in saying so the Bonnie Vares, both your albums of twenty sixteen? Album of 2016. It's a tough one. I think if I was pushed, I'd say Mitski Puberty 2. Uh, I'll make a note of that. 
Cool. We went to uh, the Workman's Club to see her, uh, and it was a phenomenal gig. It lasted for 45 minutes, and I think she played 13 songs. And it was just before we started the the recent run of dates, and it really hammered home the idea that you don't need to play a two-hour set to have a quality live experience. Uh, and she is just an absolute badass with like the best lyricist of the year. Uh, the record's great. Yeah. Over to you. I'd probably go for Bonnie Vera, but I do love the Mitski record as well. It's inc- it's amazing. Yeah. Life of Pablo is great too. Uh, Kanye. Yeah. As is Kendrick Lamar's Untitled Unmastered. I'm really enjoying that at the moment. But I think for me, it'd be Bonnie Vera's. Bonnie Vera's 22 a million. It's been a really interesting year for music, hasn't it? It's like there's so many amazing albums that you can choose from. Like even from an Irish perspective, like I'm I'm just trying to think of my Irish albums of the year and straight away it's like uh, James Vincent McMorrow and Lisa Hannigan released albums within weeks of each other and you're like, oh yeah, that was a pretty good year for music. Mm. Yeah, there's loads like Little Green Cars released, The Gloaming released their second record. So there's lots, there's lots out there. But I don't know, is it, do we have this conversation every year? Like, is there always great Irish bands, Irish records released? I don't know. Or is this year particularly rich? Uh, I have a terrible memory. Like, you know, I'd have to. Soak was last year. Jape Villagers. Uh, It was a good year, yeah. I, I think that. Like, it, it's kind of weird. Let's talk about the music industry now. As the music industry kind of, you know, seems to descend with less and less money, or so, well, I'm led to believe anyway by the people that I talk to. It's like... Uh, <laughs> Trust the, us. Trust us. <laughs> it's like the quality of records is getting better and better. And I th- I don't know, is it just that people are so at ease with... Um, you know, they can make the records on their own now. They can record in their bedroom and everything and that they're just doing really interesting, good stuff. But I do think that the past couple of years has probably been better than anything since, like, you know, definitely beats like 2000, 2001 <laughs> yeah, sort of yeah. thing, you know? I don't, it's, it'd be interesting to look at it. I'd cer- I certainly imagine it would separate the wheat from the chaff very quickly. Like, you don't get into the, you don't, you don't go into it now with a view to that you're going to get a big record deal and you're going to get to make a record in a big fancy studio. So I'd see, I assume it separates a lot of that kind of out. I mean, there would have been, I reviewed a, 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 some albums for, for a particular year in music, 1992. And the, I was given like 20 records to, to listen to, right? This is just recently for a podcast. And there was so much crap music. I mean, it was just, uh, there was so many terrible, terrible albums. And it, these were albums, and I know some of the people that were involved in making like the albums, and they would concur that they were terrible, but they were given way too much money and way too much time to, to spend making them. So uh, maybe that's maybe that's part of it. Maybe maybe there's more urgency now. Maybe you go into it for the right reasons. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's it. Yeah, that... Um like one of the bands that I was talking to recently, he was just saying that uh, they had three days of recording time and, you know, they just rehearsed and rehearsed and got everything down and got it exactly how they wanted to, went in and made the album that they wanted to to make. Is that kind of what you're saying? Just that it's... Yeah, presumably so. I mean, in the good old major label days, which I don't know, we never experienced or, you know, had any... Well, I suppose we've we've heard about the the sort of excesses that would have been at play back then. But uh, yeah, I suppose you're, it requires such a level of focus. An album 
is a labor of love and you're not going to get into it unless you know you're going to be able to like clear the other side of it so i think just all of your senses have to be very finely tuned creatively in terms of planning and when it's just the two of us i suppose the that pressure is is probably more so in that we have to coordinate everything just between two people effectively uh but yeah that could explain it i think it's interesting how honest more kind of um smaller bands like yourselves are being just that like yeah there's so little money in the industry is it like without naming names without naming anything like have have you seen it over the course of your career that there is actually less money to be made from a band in 2016 than like even when you started out no we've never seen money <laughs> from making music so there hasn't been i don't think i don't think we've noticed a, a, a do you know what what maybe we've noticed a, a change in when we released our first record you were more likely to get a few downloads you know what i mean whereas now even that's kind of gone you you are more likely to get a, a something back in terms of itunes say and and but now that Spotify is there, that's kind of taken over from that. So there, there was definitely that. I remember with our first record, you'd recoup a little bit, like you know, through that you might you might recoup recoup some of your manufacturing costs or something. But even that's kind of even that's kind of gone now. You know what I mean? And <laughs> I mean, with our last, actually, when we think of it, even with our last record, we had our records in shops. We have our record in about two shops now because distribution is so, it's so, there's so few people doing it even now, you know, and there's so few record shops. So now we are very much like at our gigs is where we, where we will sell our, our records more than, more than anywhere else. Whereas I think from the first record, we weren't as focused on that. So maybe that's telling in terms of how it's changed somewhat since we've been doing it. There was a guy last night at gig who just said to me, um, you know, he, he almost said it laughingly, like the music industry doesn't exist in Ireland. I don't know. Is that something that you'd agree with or is it like, um, is that too, um, like, uh, not dystopian, but a bad view to take? Yeah. Well, there's definitely a, there's definitely a music industry in Ireland, but I think, you know, there might be a, a larger cohort of people who exist outside that, you know, anybody making alternative music is not involved in the same industry as bands like, you know, Picture This, who have signed, you know, a worldwide deal, or, you know, we're just not on the same planet. Uh, and you could argue whether creatively, you know, you could have all those arguments about merit of music and that sort of nonsense. But there's certainly an industry, you know, there are people employed who work in, who have had 30-year careers in music across all facets of it. Uh, but I think maybe in indie music, it's a it's a different ball game. Mm. There's definitely and there's yeah, it's it wouldn't be true to say there's no interest industry. I don't think like we employ someone to do PR, so he gets he gets paid. We we employ an engineer to record with us, so he he gets paid. We uh, pay for the person who manufactures the the stuff. We pay the photographers for taking the photo of us so there's definitely an industry built around it it's just maybe hard for the art and this is not this isn't this isn't poor us like this is true i've spoken to filmmakers who it's the exact same thing they're the last people to get paid in the process if there's anything left at the end of it and it's just the risk or or the thing it's 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 what you do when when you want to create something when you want to create a record or you want to create a movie it's your it's your vision it's your risk it's your passion project you're the one who cares all about it so 
in the end of the day, you're the one who's going to be the last person to see any kind of payment. And that's fine. Rightly so. And rightly so. That's fine. Like, you, you, you don't expect someone to do your PR for, for free. That wouldn't, be, that wouldn't be right because they're plugging your stuff, the thing that you have worked so hard on and that you're so passionate about. So it's fine. It's, and, like, you do, you do, when you hook up with other bands, you can find yourself having this conversation a bit. And it kind of goes down this <laughs> negative way. But it, you're, you do it because you love it and you enjoy it. And it's not... It's 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 not depressing and it's not um like it's not a, it's it's not this terrible struggle and and that's why more and more bands you're you have jobs and and this is what they do as their 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 passion and this is what what they pour all their creative uh, kind of ener- energy into and and it's fine it just seems it, it's just the way it is now you know uh we'll try and get more positive I'll try <laughs> and get more positive um I guess the experiences that you've had as a band kind of almost m- hopefully make up for, you know, any um, income shortfalls. I mean, you mentioned playing Russia earlier. That must have been an amazing experience. And just like even every gig that you play at, having people sing back the lyrics must be worthwhile as well. Yeah, that that's it, right? It's like it, the, there's, the, the payoff is just huge. I mean, in terms of... Even the pay, to be honest, even the payoff in getting like your your seven inch into your hand or your twelve inch uh, vinyl into your hand at the end of the process, even the payoff of being in the studio, like it's all it's all great. Do you know what I mean? Like being in the recording studio and making music, and even being in the rehearsal studio when things are happening and you're you're playing, you're trying out new bits and things are starting to click. That the payoff is is huge on every kind of fa- you know at every at every point in it so it's it's it is a real it is a real joy like you know and and like say playing shows in moscow obviously is 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 a huge is a huge amount of fun as well so like yeah it's it's great i think the the last gigs that we've played as well uh, having three albums of material to to choose from have been the most rewarding gigs for us from an audience point of view the audiences may not have been, you know, incredibly stellar in terms of their their number, but just the quality, you know, of experience for us was certainly heightened. Uh, and as Connell alludes to, all those experiences, that's that's kind of, you know, that is the payoff, and uh, it's why we keep doing it, you know. Um, have you started making plans for next summer or so kind of like talking to the festivals thinking about what shows you want to play uh, yes we have um, so we've been talking to a few and there's a few well, there's nothing that we can kind of confirm just at the moment but um, it, it would be our plan to play to play kind of as many festivals as possible you can't you can only play a handful of festivals you know what I mean you can't show up at every single <laughs> at every single festival and everything's a festival now <laughs> like you know it's, ki- it's kind of nuts how... it's like everything <laughs> is a festival but you can only play a handful of them or before you you're just not a an addition to a lineup anymore you know but um we're we would be ver- like again in terms of when you talk about payoffs playing festivals is the most fun thing you can do you you get to show up meet other people that you're that are in bands talk about you know the <laughs> you're you're talk about the industry talk about, <laughs> about bonnie vera's new record and 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 have a lot of fun and then play a show and so the hopefully we'll get to play a, a good few festivals this summer um and yeah so we'll be very much looking forward looking forward to that are you heading out to the uk or europe or anything like that or uh, we haven't planned to yet own we toured extensively with the last album we sort of coordinated our irish release with a uk release tried to get over to london as many times as possible and and beyond london 
and we found that we were kind of it was the first time we found that our our day job was sort of limiting the amount of of touring we could do we felt that if we wanted to you know give the uk a proper crack we needed to be there all the time say i remember we played a show in brighton i think and someone came up to us after the gig and they asked us they were it was wild beast manager and they asked us to open for them the following night but we had already booked a ferry and we were doing something in rt the next night so it was just like that's exactly the thing you know if you're a uk based band you take that you try and get the support the tour support and and we're just not there for those opportunities so we actually felt like we were letting people down over there more than we were making any inroads so we kind of and it's quite expensive to be over there as well so we also toured in spain quite a bit we did we did a couple of tours in spain on the last record wow. which was amazing we worked with a really really great agent who had great access to national radio booked us on some amazing shows we got to to play in bilbao madrid barcelona uh malaga <laughs> And, uh, and, and <laughs> I, like, I like that little knowing laugh, like Malaga, <laughs> and other places besides. And I mean, uh, it was absolutely brilliant, incredible audiences over there. And uh, yeah, so we, because of our our working life, we we tend to stagger these things. So I mean, we we would hope that the this album will have requisite shelf life that we'll get to to do some of those foreign uh, diplomatic missions. Foreign escapades. Um, I think that that's pretty much all that I have for you guys. That was a really uh, interesting chat. I really enjoyed that. Cool. Well, thanks, Anne. and we I enjoyed it too. I like your kind of optimism. It's nice to hear your kind of. We do employ people. We do, you know. It's yeah. Good, it's good to hear that there is positivity there. Yeah. Despite it all. There, there. Despite, yeah. No, it's great. <laughs> it is. No, it is. It's all like. Listen, that's why we're. That's why people love being in bands because it's all. It's a hell of a lot of fun, and essentially, you're. It's fun that you're trying to create for yourself. So when you have to pay people along the way, that's absolutely fine. And if it costs you a little bit of money along the way, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> so the cadences of others. It's out on the Delphi label, and it's available. It is available. <laughs> it is, uh, yeah, the Delphi shop. It's the best place to get it is probably the, the Delphi labels website. They have a shop there that, that we can order it from. But also come to our shows. We're going to be playing more shows in the spring. Uh, we'll be announcing those just after Christmas. And um, you'll be able to pick it up at any of our shows at the merch stand. Best luck with uh, 2017. So, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.